0: Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Healthier Together podcast. I am your host, Liz Moody, and I'm a cookbook author and writer living in Brooklyn, but I'm actually currently coming to you from an airport hotel just outside of Edinburgh. Zach and I flew from New York to Paris on Thursday night to visit some friends for the weekend, and we basically walked all around the city eating croissants and crepes. And now we're about to head off with my dad on what's basically his dream trip. He's like wanted to do this trip for his entire life. And now he's finally retired and we can do it. But it's hiking and scotch tasting in rural Scotland. He actually wanted to act like act hike between the distilleries and just hike all day and drink scotch all night. But I put the kibosh on that. So we are doing day hikes and then hitting up some distilleries and going on lots of hikes and all of that. So I am so excited to be out of the city and... Fall is just starting up here and the leaves are starting to get that sort of golden tinge and it's just glorious. It's also my first actual vacation that I've taken since my book came out. I've been traveling a ton, but it's all been for work. So I am now, you know, I do like my little fun trips mixed in with the work, but it's usually like me with my laptop in the car trying to write an article really fast before I can like fit in a hike or something. And it's it's so fun and I feel really grateful that I can do all of that. But It's nice to take a real vacation. So, I'm trying. I got a bunch of my articles done ahead of time. I'm going to try to actually unplug and not be on the internet for at least a week of this trip. And I'm so excited to read books and I don't know, just slow down. I have been struggling a little bit with my anxiety recently, which you might have seen me talking about on Instagram. So, I just have felt really overwhelmed and. I had a huge panic attack the other day, so I definitely need it, and I'm very grateful for this time. All right, well, I have an amazing guest for you all today. Her name is Danielle Walker. Danielle is a New York Times bestselling author. She's actually written four amazing cookbooks, including my favorite, her most recent, which is called Eat What You Love, which is all sorts of grain-free comfort food like pizza and sloppy joes and all of the stuff that... I really like to eat personally. So Danielle started eating paleo after being diagnosed with ulcerative colitis in her 20s, and that's an autoimmune disease. It's really terrible. She would be bedridden for literally months at a time. She was in and out of the hospital. We talk a lot about her diagnosis on this episode, including how she came to decide that the paleo diet was the best one for her, and if she ever tried other diets, and if she thinks that Everyone should eat paleo and a ton of other different sort of like what should you eat and why for different types of diagnoses and that type of stuff. We also talk about the emotional impact of having a chronic illness, how it impacts her life as a mom and as a spouse and more. We actually got into a really long talk about the partner thing, particularly because I have a lot of guilt about my anxiety in the context of my relationship with Zach, my husband, like when I need to leave a party earlier, I can't sleep in a hotel room or I take forever to book plane tickets because I'm nervous about the flight. It all definitely impacts his life a lot um, and all these little ways, but they add up. And I know he loves me and he's so, so great about everything. He doesn't like make me feel bad about it, but I really struggle with it. So I asked Danielle for her advice about all of that. And I, I thought it was really helpful. So I hope that it's helpful to all of you as well. Danielle has also built a really incredible thriving business. So we get into that. We talk about building a brand and how much money you should spend building a brand and if it's even honestly possible to achieve Danielle's level of success today or if the market's too saturated, which I was really interested in her thoughts on. If you have ever struggled with any type of chronic disease, whether it's physical or mental, I think you will really, really enjoy this episode. And if you're all like, interested in building your own wellness brand, I think you'll really like this as well for that type of thing. I also loved all of our conversations about parenting. I am so impressed with Danielle's approach to being a mom, but also taking care of herself and keeping her own identity and all of that. But beyond all that, even if you're not interested in any of that type of stuff, I just think Danielle is one of those incredibly likable people. You can like hear it in her voice. She has this quality in her voice in her voice, where you just want to keep listening to it. And her story is so captivating and honestly kind of terrifying. the The stuff that she's gone through with her health and her life is insane to me, but she took all of those hurdles and she built them into such a beautiful life. And I just think it's such a a lesson in how to turn adversity into these this beautiful experience something that you are you're happy you went through in the long run which Danielle says that she is and I'm I'm so inspired by that. So I hope you find her as inspiring as I do. You can find her on Instagram. Danielle is at Danielle Walker and her website is againstallgrain.com. She has tons of recipes. She has a fun cooking show with friends um, and you can find out more information about all of her books there as well. And definitely screenshot and tag us both as you're listening to this episode. I'm Atlas Moody and tell us what you're loving, what you're thinking about, any questions you have. I love, love, love to hear. I love to continue the conversation over on Instagram. So definitely, please do that. All right. I hope you enjoy the episode. All right, Danielle. Thank you for sitting down with me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is fun. I love talking to you because I feel like you have so many interests. Like you're... There's not a huge group of people who marry food and health, I mm-hmm. think, and I'm always interested in people who, who have that really interesting health story, and then they're strong on the food side yeah. and the recipe development and all of that. I'm constantly actually getting questions about, like, I bought your cookbook and I learned so much about health from it. Who else should I buy? So mm-hmm. I always recommend you. Thank you. Yes, yes. I
1: appreciate that. Always, <laughs> always. So let's
0: start with your health uh, story. You yeah. have a really interesting story to your autoimmune diagnosis. Can you just walk us through that briefly?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I was 22 and had just gotten married to my husband, my high school sweetheart. We just graduated college and right before our wedding, like maybe a month or so, I just had started having a ton of digestive symptoms that I had never experienced before. And I kind of chalked it up to like wedding jitters and we just had moved and he started law school. It was like a big, just transitionary kind of phase in our life. And it did go away after we got married. It was like maybe two months after that I still was experiencing symptoms and then ended up in the ER and was just like having a really bad digestive distress is kind of the easiest way
0: to put it. And how did you know it was like time to go to the ER versus, I don't know, I feel like,
1: yeah, like it's hard to tell layers of it. It is. Um I think because I had been experiencing it for so long. And then specifically, I can remember that night, like we were watching a football game over at my in-laws house and I got up from the couch and just like could barely stand up um, and was just really dizzy. And so that was finally, I think we kind of like, we hadn't, Seen doctors for it, to be honest, like because we just kind of kept thinking it would go away. Yeah. And I think it was late at night, so that wasn't really even an option. And my husband was like, we need to take you to the ER. So that was just one of those, like, kind of our we didn't really have another choice. Um, I think looking back, I probably should have gone to get something checked out early on, but I just didn't know. Uh, and I was young and didn't like realize that it could be serious. 20-somethings are taking immaculate care of their health. Right. Like they're just like, Well, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, you kind of live with that mentality of like oh it'll still pass or like I don't know and I think I did I remember like talking to my mom and maybe a couple other people and just kind of saying like telling them that I wasn't feeling well and maybe explaining a couple of the symptoms and I feel like they said that they were like oh it'll probably pass and, right. and a lot of people said kind of what I thought of like just wait for the wedding to be over like, like stress yeah yeah and they're like you know you're just getting settled into your new place and you know so they're like just wait it'll itch should pass so we went to the ER and they performed a bunch of different tests um but really were like non-conclusive and kind of referred me to a specialist that, you know, we couldn't get into for like, I think, I feel like it was like four or five weeks. We called the next day and they were like, we don't have any openings. Uh, And so we finally saw somebody and he didn't diagnose me. So then like still kind of the same thing, like sent me out the door with some prescriptions and a couple other like, he told me to put a cup of like oat bran in my smoothies every day, like for Today,
0: fiber. He <laughs> and just then, thought it was like stress. Yeah. Something. Yeah. He
1: thought it was stress. And then he think, I think he gave me like some over the counter like things for constipation or something like that. And I just, so I took everything. Like, I think I bought like Metamucil, I don't know, just all yeah. these like over the counter things. And it made me so much more sick. I was like in a ball on my couch in so much pain from all of that stuff, just taking it and like creating more distress in my in my gut and so finally we saw another specialist another gastroenterologist who like I'm looking back now, I'm so surprised that after like three or four, nobody suggested getting a colonoscopy done. And he was finally the first person. And that was probably like maybe three or four months later down the line, um, from our wedding that finally he was like, let's do a colonoscopy. And at that point, I don't think i had ever heard of a colonoscopy, but I was just like relieved that somebody was going to do some tests rather than just kind of like listening to my symptoms and just being like, you're good, you know, take this. And so that wasn't fun, but the, the, like he checked me into the hospital immediately and I did all my colonoscopy prep like in the hospital because I was just so sick at that point. Oh, I
0: feel like I'd actually prefer that. It might be yeah, yeah it, well, versus I, I get nervous when I don't eat for long periods of time. Right. And so like doing the the liquid thing yeah. at home I feel like I'd like to be in a hospital where they're like we, we got you. Yeah. We'll take care of you.
1: I'm like mm, you're I'm like, done it both ways and being in the comfort of your own home with that. I mean that's a nasty prep process. <laughs> like it's just not being in like your own toilet and you're yeah. like laying on your own couch and like you know a hospital Gown and it's That's cold fair. and it's I don't, I have I, I mean, want I've, my home to be in a hospital. Yes, there you go, just so they can take care of you. I get that yes. side of things. Um, but then, like, I was so sick, and they're like, you know, trying to force this that stuff down you, and it just was a pretty Trump like traumatic experience. But all that to say, they finally did the test and came out. They when I woke up, they said you might have ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease, and they had to wait for some biopsies to come back. But um, it was somewhat of a relief just to finally feel like we had an answer. But the The crazy part was that they didn't give me any information about it. I mean, not you even like a UC, pamphlet. You right?
0: Yes. Ultimately. Ultimately. So yeah. You had ulcerative up, yep.
1: colitis. Yeah. Ended up being diagnosed with ulcerative colitis like a few hours later. Uh, and the doctor just was like, here's a prescription. You'll live a normal life. Like literally that was <laughs> that was his words. You Were know? you
0: supposed to take that prescription every day for mm-hmm. the rest of your life? Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, and at that point, actually, I think I was on two. So he put me on a prednisone steroid and then like an anti-inflammatory prescription that people go on for UC and Crohn's. And, uh, but yeah, I asked him even like when he said, you'll live a normal life and I'm like a newlywed, you know, and I'm like, can I have kids? And he was like, yep. Like people live a normal life with this medication. And I was like, okay. And he told me it's not curable, but he didn't ever say like autoimmune disease. He didn't talk about, you know, why I might've like had that first flare up or why I got it or anything like that. And so we kind of left the hospital just feeling like Like relieved that I had a diagnosis, but really confused at the same time. I mean, like we are super young. We have no idea like what to do next. And, uh, so I started, you know, like I wasn't feeling better and the the medications were actually causing a ton of side effects. And so I started asking my doctors just kind of intuitively, just because I knew that the disease was in my colon. I was like, can food, you know, like, what can I do? What can I do to change my diet, to help me? What were you eating at the time? I mean, I was I, fresh out of college, so let's like, like no say, judgment. No, no, no. I know, <laughs> but when I think about it, like I wasn't, I wasn't eating that poorly. You know, okay. like I mean, definitely a drive through every once in a while. Although I had just, I remember I had watched a Super Size Me documentary in in college, so I had already given up McDonald's, <laughs> but um, but was still doing some like fast food. But then, I mean, I grew up in an Italian family, so I was cooking with like white flour and white sugar, and I mean, a very standard American diet. But I wouldn't say I was like overly unhealthy. Um, I wasn't like, you know, eating out all the time or putting like packaged food. I mean, here and there. Um, but I, I mean, I liked to cook a bit, but I was still really young and we were, I mean, we were newlyweds. So it was like, I remember like, yeah, I would make pasta out of a box with like a jar of spaghetti sauce and like break up ground beef, you know, it wasn't anything like crazy special, but, um, but also wasn't you know, like on the opposite spectrum of like just eating junk, like candy and chips and stuff all day long. So did the doctors Um, say that food could help with it? No, every single specialist that I saw said, like, it's almost like they had a script. They said food, food didn't cause it. Food can't cure it. And food can't help it. What did they say did cause it? (laughs) They don't know. Just like Um, random chance. Yeah. Yeah. They, you know, I mean, they said it could be hereditary, but I didn't know anybody in my family that had it. Uh, and then they kind of speculated like stress, maybe all the stress of just everything we were going through could have brought it out. Uh, but they really didn't know. And they still like, they don't, they don't really know.
0: (laughs) Do you know, like from your research, do you have an idea of
1: what could have triggered it? I have a few, a few ideas. Um, one was I was diagnosed with like gastroenteritis in like my last couple months of college. So it would have been maybe like six months, before my UC diagnosis, which it's like gastroenteritis is just like a technical word for like the stomach bug. (laughs) Um, but nothing ever really felt the same after that. And part of me wonders if my just like microbiome and like everything got so off from having that stomach virus that maybe I was already susceptible to UC. Like maybe it was dormant or I don't know what that would be. And that it just kind of came out because of that, um, because I've learned so much over the years just about how important it is to have that balance in your in your you know gut bacteria. And so I think I was put on antibiotics at that point for that that virus, and you know obviously just everything else that comes along with the stomach virus. Like everything was cleared out, and then probably wasn't properly restored in terms of like I wasn't doing anything you know fermented or any probiotics at the time and all that kind of stuff. So I part of me wonders if it was a little bit of that. I do think. As I've learned over the years of having the disease, like stress, 100% is a huge factor in flare-ups. So, I don't really recall being that stressed at that time. I'm like, come on! I mean, a 22-year-old doesn't have that much stress in their life. I mean, especially compared to they always to, think they do. oh yeah sure <laughs> I know I mean I probably thought like you know yeah every but now I look at my life now and I'm like what I had no you know no stress. I mean, I definitely was like planning a wedding and moving and stuff, but um, maybe just those life events, like just the kind of life-changing events, and then. Yeah, I mean... those would be probably those would be the things that I kind of point to. I don't I don't really know for sure, um, but at this point I'm like, well, I know it happened, and that's that's all. I, you know, it doesn't matter at this point.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because like immediately my brain is like, if somebody wanted to not have something like that happen, like what yeah. could they do, right? You know, but <laughs> yeah. like it, it's it feels it feels both random and unrandom. Yes. I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I definitely think there is a like genetic side to it. Yeah. Um, do any of your kids have UC? Mm-mm. I mean, not yet. Yeah. Lord willing, they don't. Um, we they eat. I mean, if you're if we are talking prevention, for me, the best thing I can do for them is to have them eat like I do. Um, just because I feel like it's inherently anti-inflammatory and. I think that some of what I ate probably made it worse or at least, you know, could have caused it to flare. I, I mean, I, I know that what I ate cause, causes it to be worse. So I'm kind of keeping them gluten-free and mostly grain-free and dairy-free now just as trying to prevent. And then also supplementation. Like we started seeing a really awesome functional pediatrician, which I wish they all were that way because she's amazing. And she like runs all of these different tests on them to see like what they're deficient in or if they have any, you know, like predisposition positions to things. And, uh, if they have any weird, like, you know, genetic mutation, not mutations, but like, I mean, like for instance, they check for, um, the, the MTHFR. HR. Yeah. So like just kind of getting ahead of things for me, for my kids, it feels like at least I, you know, I can't completely prevent stuff from happening, but at least I feel like I'll have some of the puzzle pieces to put together if in their later years, they do get diagnosed with it. But, um, my hope is that they don't cause it's just awful. And I can't, like, I have a lot of followers who have kids that have Crohn's or colitis or other autoimmune conditions. And I like cannot imagine how horrible that must be for a mom to have like your eight year old, you know, going through like what I went through as, as a young child. So, um, my hope is that they they're not ever diagnosed with it. And then I'm wanting to kind of start to like, I haven't yet because they're still young, but I, because stress is such a huge part of it and not just stress, like physically, but emotional stress and mental, like, I think all of it is, is so important of just your whole like body wellness. And I've learned that if I'm not handling my stress well, and I'm not taking care of myself or not getting enough sleep, or I've had like a particularly like emotionally traumatizing period of my life, like I can still have flare ups, no matter how well I eat and how like strict I adhere to kind of my, my way of eating, which is like a paleo style diet. So as they grow up, I would like to try to instill some of that in them of like, you are really like, your body is really important. Your mind is really important. You know, like make sure that they've got good mental health and emotional health and that they can talk about things that they're going through or, you know, so that they're not like manifesting stress in a different way too because I think so much of that has to be learned.
0: What do you do when you are – we'll get back to, like, your food and your yeah. diet that you used to heal, but what do you do when you are stressed? Like, you just – you're in New York City. You just had this, like, no night of sleep because <laughs> there was destruction outside right. of your hotel. So when you have things that are sort of out of your control, yeah. how do you mitigate that?
1: Uh, putting – myself first, which is like become something I've had to really learn. Like I just wrapped up a book tour in January and I see people I know in the cities, you know, and they'll be like, let's go out to dinner or let's do this. And I have to just say no to a lot of that. So like last night I wrapped my meetings at four, I think, and I crawled into bed in my hotel and just like laid there and read a little bit and watch some TV, like just to kind of like completely decompress and kind of check out. And then I went to bed, I think it was like nine 30. I went to bed and I got up at 8.30, which is really great.
0: <laughs> All my friends who are moms, whenever they travel, they're like, the best part of travel is you sleep. get to sleep. Yeah. Yes.
1: I know. I always say I'm like, it's it's the blackout drapes, the earplugs. And like when you're a mom, you just listen, like you can be sleeping, but you're always on like in case there's a noise down the hallway or a noise on the monitor. And so I don't feel like you really get like deep sleep at home because you're just always like, is somebody going to get up? Even when they're like fully sleeping through the night, you still don't because you're just like the one-offs or I don't know. So yeah, when you're in a hotel, it's like you have no cares in the world, you know, it's like, you have no responsibilities. So you, I close the blackout drapes. I put your plugs in, I put white noise on. It's like, I'm out to the world. How do you deal with the, like, I think a lot of people would like to put themselves first in theory, yeah. but then they're like,
0: Oh, I'm being a bad mom or, Oh, right. I'm being a bad friend or, Oh, I'm being a bad partner. How yeah. do you deal
1: with that? It's a good question. And it took a long, I mean, I'm, I'm still learning how to do this and still trying to, to make, it a priority because I'm definitely like a people pleaser and a type A and I'm like I don't want to let people down and so a lot of my life before and even after like being diagnosed and when I was sick I would run myself into the ground kind of with that mentality of like I have to do this and I have to do this and I would put myself you know second and I learned that I'm not a good mom if I end up getting sick and I'm in bed for two months, which is what happens, you know, or maybe more. So it's like, I have to kind of choose that. And it's, it's definitely like a daily choice, but it's like, I can run myself into the ground to be the like, quote, unquote, good mom or good, you know, wife or whatever, and then end up sick and be completely incapacitated and then really let them down. Or I can try to really prioritize giving myself. And it's not like you know, I mean, I'm not like getting, I'm not like, I'm going to go get a two hour massage every single day, but it's like little things. Like I'm going to schedule a 45 minute nap into my afternoon, you know? And so whether that's like working with my husband to make sure that works or a babysitter or whatever it is, like if I know I need it and especially in like a sick kind of period of time, then I have to do it. And it's important. And it took me a while to realize that like, cause especially with my disease and a lot of autoimmune diseases, it's like, sometimes you get to a point where it just dips super fast and you cannot bring, you can't get it back up without like serious medications or just laying in bed, doing nothing for a few months. So my thought process on it is like, if I can get ahead of it, you know, then I will ultimately be a better mom because I'm not laying in bed for months at a time.
0: And what about with your partner? Like, so I, my sort of struggle has been anxiety Mm. and it's been really interesting in my relationship because I feel like I almost need more in the relationship. Like we both bring different things to the table, but when I need to do something because I might have a panic attack or because it might trigger my anxiety in some way, it's much different than his preference. And sometimes I feel very... Um, like, guilty about it, but also yeah. sometimes I'm like, well, I have to deal with my anxiety internally, which is much worse. So, like, the little bits that you deal
1: with it externally isn't yeah. that hard, and I just think it's a really tricky relationship dynamic. Yeah, it is. It definitely is. Um, in my I wish my husband was here, because I feel like that's such a great conversation to have with, like, the... The partaker, yeah. the, par- the partner. I mean, I think in one aspect, we were fortunate that we, we like grew up together. I mean, we started dating when we were 16 and well, I was 16, he was 17 and got diagnosed as like newlyweds. And I think for a lot of couples, it does tear them apart because it's a lot of stress on the relationship. And I mean, he was having to like take care of our young babies every time I would have a postpartum flare and... I definitely like dealt with a lot of like guilt about that too of just like gosh you know I feel bad that he's having to like lay down his like life or his wants or his dreams to help take care of us and I'm grateful that he's like an incredibly supportive person and loves our family enough to do that but I also had to well, there's a few things. Um, I think one was realizing that he needed to have like time, you know, so like he likes to run and he likes to like work out. And so I had to really like make sure that I was giving him that time of like, this is really important to him. And you know, he's doing so much else that like, I can't ever give him a hard time if he wants to go out for like an hour and a half run or whatever it was like trying to see what his priorities were and supporting him in that. Um, and then showing how grateful I was, I think also for how much he like took care of us. Um, and then just encourage, encouraging, like, discussion. There were a couple years, like in our earlier years of getting diagnosed where I just didn't even know that he was like having trouble with everything like emotionally. Cause he was so strong from the outside and I'll never forget. He did like an interview for TV somewhere and told somebody that like he would leave my room and cry. And I was like, I had no idea. And I just, so after that, it was like, we started really talking. Cause I think when you are the person who's sick, you're so overwhelmed with everything that you sometimes don't stop to think about how the person that is helping you feels. And so it was really important for us to like, start to have really open communication, just about all the emotions on both sides. Like I told him, I was like, I want you to tell me if like you get resentful or if you're mad or if you're, you know, like feeling overwhelmed or whatever it is so that we can try to figure it out together. And we can try to like bring in outside help or take help from, you know, like my parents or neighbors or whatever it was, because he's totally the type of person that will just like forge through and like try to try to take it on himself. So, um, it's an interesting dynamic for sure. And I feel like the, the caretaker, quote-unquote, if you will, like, for, for people who have chronic illness, oftentimes feel really, like, overlooked and kind of, like, on their own. And so I've really tried to see where he's at um, and try to help him for that, too.
0: Do you feel like you're, like, makeup for the fact that you have UC? Like, do you feel like I should be making up for the Mm. fact that I have anxiety in other ways, like being better at the rest of the ways of being a partner.
1: No, I mean, not necessarily, but I guess because I do go through like periods where I really can be sick for like multiple, like a long time, um, which I guess might be different in like an anxiety situation. Like, I guess because I am sometimes incapacitated for a certain amount of time, sometimes I try to like make the the other months like really great. So I guess in a way, yeah. Uh, But it's also like, sometimes I'm like, well, I just missed three months of my life. Like I do want to make up for it in a sense. Yeah. So maybe in that way, yeah. yeah. Um, and be grateful for like the time that I'm feeling well. I'm like, I want to make the most of this, you know, like I remember what it was like to feel sick. Um, but no, I mean, it's kind of just become a part of my life in a way. Like I know I have it and I know that there are going to be times where I still might get sick and where, you know, but I but I'm grateful for like the healthy times and that the times where I do still have flare ups occasionally, like are not nearly as severe as they used to be. Um, so trying to just kind of live in like that grateful mentality, I guess from day to day, but yeah, I don't know if I try to make, I don't know if I'm like, that's a good question. I don't know if I've ever been asked for that, asked that before, um, if I try to make up for it or not. I mean, especially with him, I guess like, yeah, but, but I mean, like after I've had periods of sickness, like we'll go and take like two nights away in Napa so it's like a 40 minute drive for us. And it's more of like a, we've basically been apart for like three months cause I've been sick and you've been helping take care of the kids. So now we need some like reconnection time and like kind of try to make up for lost time, I guess. So I guess, I guess I do try to make up for it. I don't know. Is that a good answer (laughs) it's just it's
0: it's such an interesting I mean partnerships are already so complicated period and then anything you add on top of that I think makes it more complicated still you know what is the state of your UC
1: now like how often do you have flare-ups yeah uh so It's typically I only get them after I've had a baby, which is kind of crazy. Um, and I'm in almost this like kind of unknown state right now because I have had lots of pregnancies over the past, what like my oldest is almost nine. So I do really, really well. My UC like goes into complete remission when I'm pregnant. And then typically like eight or nine months after I postpartum, I end up having a flare up. And thankfully for the most part, like we, I've still, if they're not great, but they're much better. Like I haven't been hospitalized and I haven't had to go on any of the like serious, severe medications for it. So we're kind of in the state now of like, okay, if we're done with our family, which I think we are like done having kids, then now I'm curious to kind of see where it goes because I feel like I can really manage it with food, but there's the things that are kind of those outside factors that I can't control with like postpartum with like hormonal shifts and not sleeping and the stress of like just on your body of having a child. And so, you know, it's like those felt like outside factors that there's just nothing I could do about it to prevent it. And now I'm kind of like, okay, what will this be like? Um, So it's interesting. I feel like I'm in a little bit of like a, an unknown kind of phase at this point. How How old is your youngest? My youngest is two. Okay. So it's been
0: two years. Yeah, yeah.
1: And I had a flare-up when she was, like, nine months old. Um, But it's crazy because it's, like when I had the one when my oldest son was nine months, that's the last time that I was like seriously hospitalized, had to have blood transfusions. This was pre food. And so I've still gotten sick, but I feel like so much more hopeful when I have them because I feel like I know that it'll pass and that it won't be as severe. What does it feel
0: like now? Like if you're not in the hospital getting blood transfusions, like what, what was the most recent one? Like
1: um well, I get really anemic as part of you see is like internal bleeding, so just like super tired and needing to sleep and rest all the time um, and then just like really malnourished because I just can't tolerate a lot of food and super like I'm just trying like thinking what else. Um, that's kind of the biggest thing. I just end up having to be in bed for a long time and just to recover from all of that for like weeks. Mm, the last when she was little, I think it ended up, gosh, they all blend together. I think with that, I think I might've been in bed for a couple months with her, with that one. Yeah. And how do you deal with that? Psychologically,
0: like they, they did a really interesting study where it was like about bed rest and pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest conclusions of it was how hard it was psychologically on the women. Like mm-hmm. so many women had literal PTSD just mm-hmm. from being on bed rest and you were essentially on bed rest numerous yeah. times in your life, not during your pregnancy, but yeah, because of your it's,
1: it's tough. And especially as a new mom, when like you've got a baby who's depending on you. So it's really difficult, um, to be laying in bed this time around, but Like I knew I needed to just kind of stop everything and get into bed and just stop because that's like, it won't get better if I'm just like trying to go about my normal day. So it was almost like somewhat of a conscious decision, but also like, I just couldn't go on anymore. Um, And so this time around, like I really tried to be... Better, I don't know it's a bad word to say because it wasn't like up to me, but try to be a little bit different in that like I would try to have my kids come into bed with me and like read books. And I tried to kind of like do things from where I had to be at and know that I couldn't do it all and... But it's definitely depressing and it's really lonely when you're like sitting there all day long by yourself and you can what like you hear things do? going on. Do you like I watch, watch so much now? Netflix? <laughs> I watch like I I watch so much TV because I'm like I would love to say like I I read all day long and researched and like you know like grew as a human and it's like you're so sick and just don't feel good. You don't that, have the energy, no? For that. So I watch. I'm a big um I'm like I don't know why I'm a big fan of like British. Royalty, like, like, um, like history type shows, like, also, I watch like all of the, like, Victoria and all of the, I mean, just, like, way back, like I forget all the names of The Tudor. The Tudor, all of that. Like, I'm super fascinated seen, with all of um, that. Rain, Yes, I watched that too, but yeah. I was, like, It's, in, like, for teenagers, but I, like, really, it's, like, my guilty pleasure <laughs> show for a while. I watched it all, but I realized as I was watching it, because I was, like, this all can't happen. I was, like, researching next to it, yeah, it as I was so watching it, and so much of it is not true. It's, like, not historically correct. But that's
0: correct. interesting, too. I love, like, uh, getting the fiction entry point and then sitting there with my computer and yeah. trying to figure out like what's factually yeah, accurate yeah, no, totally. and what's not. And trying to like... And she was really hot. Mary Queen of Scots, she was like the hottest yeah. queen ever, apparently. Yeah, but like
1: all of the... What was it? Like there was like a brother who was not real and I don't know, anyways, it's, but it was <laughs> very entertaining. So I liked it. Um, yeah. I watched all of those. Yeah. I, I mean, like, oh, and... Um, uh, what was that? There's like a something midwife show on call the midwife. midwife. I totally like that. I was like in tears most of the day watching that, but yeah, lots and lots of TV. What do you do about your business when you're Mm -hmm. incapacitated for long periods of time? Well, (laughs) so thankfully a lot of my business is online, which is great. So I could do some of it still, I couldn't be like testing and developing recipes, but, um, uh, it kind of goes a little bit goes on hold. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not like doing stories from bed and like being on Instagram all the time. I mean, I do have, I have a little bit of a team now, which has been helpful for just kind of keeping some things going behind the scenes. And, um, but yeah, a lot of times it kind of just stalls for a bit, which do you get nervous about?
0: I mean, I just, I feel like (laughs) in these days, it's like, if you're not growing on Instagram, you might as well be dead. dead,
1: (laughs) I mean, gosh, I don't really recall being too nervous about it, to be honest, just because it's like, I don't really have a choice. It is like I'm, it is what it is. Yeah. And I am grateful that I do have the type of job I have where I can be in bed for a couple of months yeah, because what? it's like God, people can people lose their, their jobs when yeah. they take, well, I mean, when I was newly diagnosed, I was on med, I took medical leave and it's like you get paid like a fraction of, you know, what you get paid. And my husband was in law school, but it was like our only option, wow. you know? So that is something that I'm, I mean, I'm grateful that I have that flexibility to be able to do that. Um, and to be able to probably. Like, I mean, I'm sitting here saying like, you know, I, take a nap and it's like, yeah, if you're working a nine to five, you know, job, I mean, I do remember early on when I was doing a desk job, I would take my lunch break and go take a nap in my car. <laughs> and that was like, that was what I would do, you know, to like, cause I had to do it or else I would just like crash by the end of the day.
0: I have a friend who goes and meditates, um, in the toilet in her job <laughs> oh. because she like needs it yeah. to get through the day. But yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah, you
1: have to kind of figure you out it those ways and make it work. And it's like, whether it's going for a walk or like, yeah, going down to your car or, yeah. My, I mean, I worked in like a smaller office and my boss would travel all the time and had this like awesome, like zero gravity chair in his office. And I asked him, I was like, when you're out of town, do you mind if I take my lunch break in in your chair? And I would like take a nap in his chair. It's kind of embarrassing, but I'm grateful that he said, (laughs) yeah.
0: I also think that's a huge lesson to just like ask people when you need stuff. I'm constantly telling. I'm like, my life motto is never be the one to say no to yourself. And mm-hmm. I think that works really well for careers, but it also works for stuff like naps. Totally. Like when you just, you, or you need your partner to do something and yeah. just ask yeah. first and then they might say no, but like they might not.
1: Yeah, no, totally. It is good to ask. And I mean, I think a lot of people like you, I feel like even when I say it sometimes I'm like, gosh, that sounds so lazy that I'm like, I need to take a nap, you know, yeah. I'm like, but it, it, it's really important. And I'll notice like a total difference in my symptoms with a day where I don't have get a lot of sleep from a day that I do get a lot of sleep. So
0: it's really interesting to think about how your UC in general would, um, have impacted yourself personally. Like you just said, you sometimes you're like, Oh, I feel really lazy. But then also your UC in some ways has led you to have this incredible career and all these books and stuff like that. And it's just, it, it must be an interesting, like, do you feel
1: grateful to it at this point? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I would not be doing what I'm doing if I wouldn't, you know, if I wouldn't have had it. And I don't know you know how many people that follow me and that have found healing through food. I don't know if they would have heard that message from a different avenue. I mean, I hope that they would have, but there's something about my story and knowing suffering in like a very real way that and has personal way, yeah, yeah. that has really led people to like come and hear what I have to say. So I am grateful for it because I feel like I've been able to impact so many people. And then of course on like the other side of it's become a career and it's become a provider for our family and something that like I saw no hope in at the beginning when I'm laying in hospital beds and like being told it's incurable. I mean, I would have never dreamt of it becoming something that was like such a huge part of our life. And that also was like a income you know, provider for our family. Like just not even, never crossed my mind. Even when I started my blog, I just like figured I would be giving free recipes and advice forever. I mean, I like, I dragged my feet even like with getting sidebar advertising because my husband was like, you got to monetize, you got to monetize. And I was like, ah, I don't want to, like, I don't, I just want to give people, you know, free content forever. So I never looked at it as a business. Um, Until ever. when? Probably like, well, I mean when I got my first book contract, I asked the publisher if we could sell it for 9.99 because I was like so worried about charging people for anything. I was like, I don't want to charge people money. Like I just want to share this message and share the story and like give them good food and I realized that I was starting to put so much time into it. I think that was probably the shift. I probably was running maybe about a year on my blog and realizing like I'm spending every free minute I have developing these recipes and writing them up and like promoting them and publishing them and I started, I think my first like advertising on the blog was probably the first thing and it was like pretty subtle. And then Amazon affiliates was like the second thing. I'm like, all right, well, if I'm going to be recommending this almond flour, I may as well get like a little percentage and not charged. And that was, that was also part of it. I was like, well, I'm not charging my people anything more. Like they don't get charged. It's the company that pays. Right. So I'm like, okay, this is okay. Um, And then I was thinking about putting out like an ebook finally. Cause I was like, I've got like 300 recipes on my site. And I now feel like I'm putting so much time that I might, I need to make something for this, like not only to pay for the ingredients, but then like my time, right? So were you still was... working full time at that No, point? not at that time. Okay. I had left my job to be stay-at-home mom. Okay. So my husband was working um, and I just thought I was going to just do the mom life fully and I was kind of blogging just like as a little side thing while he would nap and it was an outlet for me that I really enjoyed. Um, and, and then, yeah, no. So I didn't realize that it would be a business, but that was kind of the first, you know, like turning point for me. And then I think really when I saw like my first book, take off so much and that people would be willing to pay something for that material and something that was like supporting their health choices. I was like, okay, they see value in this and I get that and I need to start to value myself. Uh, but it was definitely like a process for me. i I mean, I already mentioned, I'm like, I'm a total people pleaser. And I was so worried about like offending somebody that I was going to be charging money for stuff. <laughs> You're listening to the healthier together podcast.
0: People are always asking me what supplements I recommend, so I wanted to walk you guys through a few that have made a real difference in my life. All of these are from Garden of Life, one of today's sponsors, and a brand that I've been using for years, long before we started working together. Their oil of oregano is one of my go-tos for travel. It's a tincture, and you only need a few drops of it, but it's incredibly antiviral and antibacterial. Whenever I start feeling a bit off or sick, I put about eight drops in a glass of water and chug it down. It tastes super spicy, but it makes me feel better by the next day, whether I felt like I was getting a flu or a cold or a stomach bug or food poisoning. I use it at home, of course, but it saved me so many times on the road that I never go on a trip without it. The prebiotic fiber is also huge for me. A lot of gut issues are caused by not passing waste through your intestines quickly or thoroughly enough. And beyond that, while we focus so much on probiotics, those good bugs need food in the form of prebiotics to thrive and populate your stomach so they can have all of their positive effects. The doctor formulated organic fiber is a super fine powder. They have an unflavored and an orange. I like both of them. And it's made from acacia, orange peel, baobab fruit, apple peel, and organic cranberry fruit. It dissolves really well in water, and it also blends well in smoothies, and it can make such a difference in your bathroom habits. It's been so hugely helpful when I travel, and I can't eat as well as I do at home, and also travel makes me like really constipated. I don't know if that's just me, but I will also have it three times a week when I'm at home just to provide enough food for the probiotics to keep my gut healthy and happy. Finally, I love, love, love the maximum strength from their My Kind Organics line. I take this if I'm having any sort of pain issue. I have like a chronic knee pain on my left knee. So when that's acting up, I'll add this to my daily routine. It contains turmeric and ginger that have both been fermented to be super bioavailable. And as you likely know, turmeric is hugely helpful for inflammation-based issues, whether it's chronic pain or something autoimmune. I have a friend who takes these for migraines and they've helped her a ton. And I have another friend who has endometriosis who's found a lot of relief from her painful periods. Also, have a turmeric gummy that has no added sugar and it basically tastes like heaven. And I'll keep these around, but honestly, I love them so much. They taste so good that it's like a little dangerous for me to have them in my cabinet. I have direct links to all of these items and my other Garden of Life picks in my shop at lizmoody.com slash shop. And it really helps the podcast if you buy them through there. It'll take you directly to the lowest price item on Amazon. Again, that's lizmoody.com slash shop. And if you want any recommendations or have any questions, definitely hit me up on Instagram at lizmoody. I would love to help you find the perfect probiotic or herbal blend for you. Now let's get back to the episode. That's so interesting. And does your husband work on your brand now? Mm -hmm. Okay, so
1: he's Mm, full-time. I've been trying to get him to be full-time for, like, years. He refuses. Uh, He does his own thing. He started Lincoln Profile on Instagram. That was, like, his yeah, we talked
0: about this. I think this is fascinating yeah, yeah. because it's such a like prevalent thing, but I don't ever like, I, I had no idea that was your husband yeah, who yeah. did that. Yeah. So and that was
1: because you were just like, I wish I had this thing. Right. Yeah. I was like laying in bed at 10 o'clock at night one night. And I, this was back when people used to change the link in their bio every single time they post. Right. And I think I had posted a recipe and I said like, you know, recipe link in bio. And I got like hundreds of comments that were like, wait, that's taking me to brownies. And you said it's, and I was like, shoot, I forgot to change the link. And I'm laying there with him in bed. And I showed him this thing that like some of the big retailers had. And I was like, Hey, can we get this? Like it, it I saw it was, it was, I forget which one it was like, like to buy. I don't know. Anyways, uh, I was seeing like William Sonoma and anthropology and they were having this thing that was like a grid of all their pictures and you could, you could tap on them. And I was like, can we get this? And he was like, well, let me look into it tomorrow. And he looked into it and he's like, it's really just for big retailers. I think it costs like $2,000 a month or something ridiculous. And he's like, but I can just build you that. And I was like, okay. And was so- he a coder? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So not really by like, he's actually an attorney by trade, but, but he taught himself. How he, yeah, yeah, He really liked, he did mechanical engineering and some computer like engineering in college. And he really liked computer programming. And so he did like online courses anyways. So he we had it built in like a week and we just put it in my profile and it was working really well and then we never marketed it or promoted it anywhere and people just started seeing it and really liking it and started using it and now i mean it has okay, it has a lot of users, and like I'll sometimes stumble Do on. Do they this.
0: pay every month?
1: Yeah, yeah, but it's like super cheap. I mean, it's like a few bucks. It's but so like cheap. a few
0: bucks every
1: month from a lot of yeah. people. I had
0: done, yes. you know. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, and they they have now taken LinkedIn profile and turned it into something a little bigger called Tap Bio. and that's like kind of their new. They like took everything that they made from LinkedIn profile and and put it into developing Tap Bio. And was Which Tap Bio? It's similar, but it has more options. It was kind of similar for me, so I was like going on tour and was like, I just really want to be able to promote my tour, but, you know, like not have to link every single picture. And so it's almost like a mini website in your Instagram bio. So you tap the link and you can choose and customize like your own little like cards. It kind of looks like Like Instagram stories. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of looks like Instagram stories, but it's like everything is is linked and, you know, like can send you out to everything you want. So it's like, I can, you know, have one card that like sends it's my Instagram grid still, but then I can have, uh, you know, one that's like all my tour, you know, dates and tickets and they can tap on them and like go buy the tickets or, um, they have, they have, well, my, my favorite thing now is they have a YouTube integration card. So it's oh, that's like, cool. people can watch all my YouTube videos in my Instagram bio, which is oh, really is nice. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So it's cool. But yeah. Um, anyways, yeah. But so he he's super that, techy. Like, how much percentage? I would say how much? it's like 50, okay. 50 right now. I've been trying, to get him to come on like a hundred percent forever. And he just won't, which is fine. I mean, it's like, we work, we still work, we work next to each other. He worked for Apple for a couple of years and was commuting, but now he's home. So we're sitting next to each other all day. And he's involved in like every business decision that I make. Um, I think like the only thing he doesn't do is test recipes and write my cookbooks. Well, he eats all the recipes, so he's definitely, he's testing them. Yeah, um, but yeah, he, it's just like not technology and startups are so much more his passion. And so I think I'd be doing a disservice to him if I made him work with me full time. <laughs> it's more of like a selfish thing. I'm like, I just want you to be around all the time. And I want you to make my decisions with me. And I do think he could like grow my business with me a lot faster than I can by myself, but it's not his passion. So I'm like, okay, you don't have to just stay involved though. Cause I love his involvement in the business.
0: Is it weird at all when he works on your business because it's like you have the vision and it's your company and he's sort of like – I know with Zach I'm always like – He'll design something because he he has his own startup so he can design and he can code and yeah. all of that. Um and he'll like design my website and I'll be like, Oh, like that color is not right. And he's like, I'm doing you a freaking right. favor. And I'm like, Well, yeah, but also I'm like bringing in a certain amount of money and it's like it's a complicated dynamic, right. you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think for us, because we built it from the ground up, like I mean, we used our savings to like buy my first digital camera and to buy like my domain, and I mean we like emptied out our newlywed savings to build up my brand and I think because he's been so involved from day 1 it kind of feels like it's a joint effort um I think well, I think I say that more than I show it. Sometimes he's like, you take all the credit because I think, cause I'm like the face yeah, of the it. Face of yeah. the um, but I mean, I mean, I tell him this when I really stop to think about it. I'm like, there's a reason why people like trust and follow me. And that's because of like us as, as a, as a couple and as like everything we've gone through. And I wouldn't probably have gotten through most of my flare ups if it wasn't for him. Like he was my advocate with doctors and he was the one that told me to start a blog. And so, I mean, it's like, he's been there the whole time. So he I mean, it's like too good to be he's sure. kind of too good to be true. The only thing that we couldn't do together that we had to stop was he used to film on my YouTube videos. And right. I think if you were to watch all like the the cut B roll, we'd be bickering most of the time about oh, really? like, I don't like that shot, or don't tell me to say this. Or he'd be like, You're not pausing enough in between what you're saying. I can't cut it. Like because he would cut them too. Or right. I'd be like, I need that video, like yesterday. And he's like, I that, still need to cut
0: it. That's what kills <laughs> me is when I'm on a deadline of any sort, and Zach's like, I'm this this is not my deadline. This this right, is your Right. And they've got and their other like and, business yeah. and other things
1: they're doing. That's so the worst thing. For the sake of our marriage, we stopped doing my YouTube videos together and I started hiring <laughs> those out. But um yeah, I mean, I feel like we've been partners the whole time. But I do think him having his Something. thing that he's doing and that he's really passionate about and that he's really good at. Like he could come and, and work with me full time, but like that's not his that's not like his awesome skill set, right? So I think that's kind of what helps keep it keep it like working is that is that we are kind of doing 50-50. <laughs> how did you know
0: like how much money was okay to put into your brand at the beginning or even now? Like, I think these days, every, a lot of people like are like, oh, I want to start a brand. And then they go on Instagram and there's like already 14 <laughs> courses you can take about how to do Pinterest and how to right. do Instagram. And like, do you need to go buy this camera? And I think a lot of the more famous people are like... Just use your phone oh, and totally. like don't invest anything. But then all of the famous people are using all of, like they have somebody shooting their YouTube and right. all of that stuff.
1: So how does that work? I started super scrappy. I mean, my you go back on my blog and it is iPhone photos and I like I didn't actually teach. I had to teach myself how to photograph food and I didn't do that until I got my first book contract and they were like, we want you to photograph. And I did was you like, shoot your books? Uh-huh. Yeah, not all the, of them. No, my first two. I styled and shot my first two. Oh my god, I'm yeah. so. Impressed <laughs> with people who shoot their the no books the for me two, are like no a
0: respite from having to do photography. Yes. It's amazing, yeah. and I'm just like.
1: Yeah, no, it was kind of a necessity. I mean, my first two books were with a smaller publisher. There was no advance. They were like with Ten Speed. No, oh. no, yeah. Celebrations and Eat What You Love are with Ten Speed, I and that's that. when I finally got a photographer because photographing those books. I mean, and I do a photo for every single recipe, so it was like 160 plus for each book, and it about killed me. I can't I mean, believe you did.
0: I can't believe you did that. That's yeah.
1: insane. So I flew down to LA. I took a one day like food photography intensive. I didn't even have a very. I had a Canon Rebel, and I remember going into the class being like. I probably have like the nicest camera in here and I like everybody has their like you know Canon like Mark or I don't know. Anyway, So I was like learning how to shoot on this little like DSLR, you know, camera. And then realized at the end of that class that I was like, Oh, I can't even do half the things she's telling me to do. Like I can barely change, you know, whatever. I still don't know that much about photography, but couldn't change like the F stop and my photo. I don't know. So, but, but honestly, like we invested money as we saw things grow and we just, but we just would do it little bits at a time. I mean, like I had a dot a WordPress blog for probably a whole, like a couple of years. And then finally, when we started more seeing more traffic and kind of, you know, getting to make a little bit is when we were like, all right, I think we can, you know, buy our own domain. And we did use some of our savings, which when I say that it's like, I mean, we were newlyweds. We didn't have a ton of savings. It's not like we like emptied out hundreds of thousands of dollars or anything like that. Um, but we realized like we have to invest a little bit and then I think you kind of wait, like you do, you do a little bit and you wait to see if you get any return on it, and if people are like interested in it. But I mean, especially these days, I mean, most of the stuff that I put on my Instagram is shot on my phone, and I can edit it now. It's like you can use, you know, like Visco, and you can. I mean, you can do so and much Lightroom for, your, light phone room for free, your phone, which yeah. is crazy. You can do so much to make them look more like professional images than you used to be able to. And I mean, yeah, I I just I don't feel like you have to like dive, you know, full in and like throw a whole bunch of money at something until, you know, if it's going to stick, I think, you know, I mean, if I was starting out now, um, I I
0: I, I think it's interesting
1: because yes, you can do so much
0: more to make stuff look professional, but also like because of that, nothing looks janky anymore. It's I think true. a lot of people are There's like, you should have seen my blog in the yeah. old days. I was like, well, that wouldn't fly anymore. Yeah, no, it's you know?
1: true. You look at my, I was actually, I did a podcast the other day who she, like her first thing that she does is goes back and looks at your first two posts of your oh blog. ever. And I was like,
0: like, oh no. I'm like, what did I say? say it? What, I said, yeah, like, what did I say? What did the pictures look like? What was your like? first
1: blog post? Um. So she said it was a muffin recipe. I'm pretty sure it was this like turkey soup. I can see the photo in my head. It's like, yeah, I'll have to give it to you for like your pay afterwards. It's like this yellow toned photo that I took on my phone. The, the vegetables were all like grossly like overcooked and like Brown. And there's a bottle of wine in the back. And it's like, it's like up against this, like red back. It was just bad. Um, but it was like a turkey soup. I think I posted it around Thanksgiving. Um, but it, yeah, I mean, it wasn't like nothing was perfect. And I think, I mean, I recorded my own YouTube videos for a long time and, um, photographed everything on my own. And I mean, even from like the side, my first book came out and and like i had no marketing or publicity at, at all and i was like cold calling you know different producers and different magazines and trying to get on things and trying to get it out there and so i think like having that kind of scrappy nature from the start even if you do have capital to put into something it's all about that mentality of like working to promote what you're spending time on and putting so much of your heart into and that it's not just going to like sell itself
0: do you think that people can still become like you these days? Or do you think it's sort of saturated? It's
1: a great question. <laughs> um, I do think I got in at a very good time. Like bloggers and cookbooks were not as big back then. And so I think I have like a pretty good foot in that base. And it is a lot harder these days to do it. Um, I think, especially with like the nature of people putting full recipes into their Instagram captions and like, there's just so much out there right now. And there's so many cookbooks and there's so many blogs that I do think, unless you have like a really powerful story or position or something that's like very different that it's, it would be hard to grow. I think like you can get Instagram famous, but like my thought on that is what is the longevity of that? And like, where else, you know, like I see all these people, like there's people that started later than me that have a bigger Instagram following, but part of me is kind of like, okay, what, but what do you have outside of that? Like, what do you have? What is it for? Yeah. Well, like, and if Instagram closed down, what would you have? Like there's no, you don't have products, you don't have, books you don't like you know and so it's like they're making money you know doing probably advertising and doing like you know sponsored type stuff but to me it feels like the people that are kind of coming into it right now are kind of looking for like a quick fame and not and like or like a quick success and not really kind of having like a heart or like a, a, reason behind what they're doing. And then they're also just kind of focusing on one area. And a lot of like, people don't even have blogs. And I always kind of like go back to that question. I'm like, what if Facebook and Instagram just shut down? Like, yeah. what would you do? You know? So I don't, yeah. I mean, I don't know, like to be able to, to kind of get the full like brand kind of success is definitely harder. Like I'm grateful that I'm not coming into it right
0: now. Cause there's a lot of competition. Well, I also struggle with how much free content you essentially need to give to keep the beast to, right oh my, like i'm like growing. okay so i need to do recipes you know, several times a week to keep people interested in my recipes. And then what do I have
1: left for my books? books, Right. No, I know. I I struggled with that a lot too. I ended up doing a lot of like guest posters. Like I had people come on and share their recipes and then I would like recycle old content. And then I would sometimes share sneak peeks from the books, but that was definitely like a struggle with me too, because especially when my first book came out, like I was still really small, was still trying to grow, was still trying to like give people stuff. So they wouldn't just like go away. Cause if you just have a stagnant like blog or Instagram, people don't Mm -hmm. want to keep following you so it was a struggle too for me that I was like how do I keep this all up and it's, yeah. like, it's a lot of work books books people don't realize that like writing a book is I mean it's a full-time job I mean it can take and it's like two-year process and it's a lot of work and it's like really hard to like be able to do other stuff while you're writing and editing and putting and like promoting a cookbook
0: but like you have to because otherwise you'll get the call from your publisher like well that's yeah we like we we wanted you to do the book because your brand you can't like right, 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 brand you can just, just like let go it go because Totally. And you now. can't neglect
1: like your people, you know, I mean, like they're there and they don't want to just not hear from you for two yeah. years while you're writing a book. So that was my biggest thing was I was like, I, they're here and they're wanting stuff and they're needing stuff. So it's like, I can't just disappear. Right. All right. So let's go back to the food. Yeah. Everybody's like, no, 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 you
0: can't heal UC with food. <laughs> and then you were like, I'm going to go paleo.
1: <laughs> yeah. It didn't really start that way. Actually. It started with, uh, the gaps and in- CD. Have you heard of those? So specific carbohydrate diet and gaps, and it was what I first stumbled upon when I really started like researching diet and UC and autoimmune disease. And it's really similar to paleo, but it inc- it still allows a couple things that paleo doesn't. And so I was seeing improvement, but wasn't like seeing the full improvement that I was hoping for. Dairy's cool. Dairy's that? cool. Yeah, dairy's cool. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's like da- certain dairy. Like okay. They, they they focus on like fermented dairy, and then I kind of their whole thing is like nothing with lactose. Lactose. So yeah. they, they allow cheese that's been like aged that doesn't have lactose and they allow like, um, making your own yogurt. But I think there were a couple things about it that were just not working for me. Like there was no focus on at the time. Cause it's a pretty old protocol. There was no focus on, you know, like grass fed dairy or mm-hmm. organic dairy. And so like, I'm still it was like
0: the 1900s and everything was grass fed. <laughs> right? It was like, yeah, was I mean, neither, go get the oh, cow yeah. from your just, neighbor's yeah, right. barn.
1: Um, and so there were just some things in like legumes, beans were still allowed as long as they were like soaked sprouted. Um, I'm trying to think if there was anything else. I think that was it. Uh, and so after my oldest was born, when I went through that really bad flare up, I worked with like a functional medicine practitioner and we did an elimination diet and then also kind of did like a food sensitivity type testing. And so I actually like stumbled upon paleo just based on my own body needs, which, you know, it wasn't big. Like I always joke and say like, I think at the time, uh, CrossFit gyms were still using zone diet, Mm -hmm. which is like, that just tells like CrossFit is sometimes kind of given like the, you know, like they, they kind of made paleo a little bit more popular, I think in a way. Um, and so it wasn't really, I think there were probably maybe two or three books out at the time about paleo. There wasn't really much out there, like maybe one blog. Um, and so I hadn't really even ever heard of it. But my, the, what came back on my like food allergy slash elimination diet was like almost like paleo to a T. It was like no more dairy, definitely no grains, which I had already been off of no legumes, um, nothing refined, you know, and like processed. So it ended up just looking kind of like paleo. So, but I didn't really know the word at the time. And this um, was just like internet researching, internet researching, internet researching. This was no, this was mostly with my functional, like okay. we did a massive, like we did a full elimination diet and, and it was like, like no legumes for yeah. you. Yeah. It was like no legumes, no dairy, no grains. And then quite a bit other stuff. Like we cut out eggs at the time and nightshades and nuts. I mean, nuts and seeds. It was pretty strict, but yeah. I saw finally like the improvement that I was hoping for. I mean, within 48 hours, like it was pretty miraculous and like just so, so correlated to what I feel like that'd wasn't be so eating.
0: annoying because I would be like, oh, there's a solution. And then would yeah. be like, oh, the solution like involves not eating all of these yeah, foods well, that are really delicious.
1: It, 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 you know, at that point, because I was so desperate and I was so sick, I mean, I, I had just come out of two weeks in the hospital and probably three months bed rest with a oh nine month God. old baby, like who I couldn't take care of. So at that point and and then like the medications were just making me I mean, the hundred milligrams of prednisone steroids like makes you not yourself, like just a total basket case. And you just feel like you just don't feel like yourself. So I think at that point, as hard as it was to cut out all the food, it almost was like the most relief I had ever felt because I mean, noticing your symptoms decrease in like 48 hours and maybe by like 80% decrease in my symptoms when I had been on all these medications and in the hospital and nothing was getting better with everything they were doing. I was like, Oh, you know, and I've like seen food work, but, but I'd never really stuck with it. So I never saw that drastic of an improvement because when you do an elimination diet, like you can't eat, you know, it's like, you're not supposed to like cut it out and then start eating it like the next day. It's like, you're off of it for a while. So do you think anybody with an autoimmune disease or with UC would benefit from a paleo diet or
0: was it just like those take out whatever particularly irritates your body Mm -hmm. and then
1: you'll be fine? I think anybody can benefit from it. I think grains and dairy specifically are, they're inherently inflammatory and a lot of people's bodies just can't process them. So I think that's a great place to start. Um, I also like, I mean, I, I think the whole 30 program is a really great program and just, I, for more than anything, it's like what I suggest people to give us, just give it a shot with, because it's like such clear guidelines that you don't feel like you're just kind of like going into it, like completely, you know, like blind. Um, but then there's also the, if you're, if you're not finding relief from just kind of like more simply grain and dairy free, there's the, the, autoimmune p- protocol that's AIP. kind of yeah AIP. And that is almost like what I ended up on with my elimination diet. It is crazy strict, but I think for like a 30 day, just to cut all the things out that could potentially be infl- like inflammatory. And then you start to add those back in one at a time. And then that's really when you can see, like, you might, you know, you might be able to eat dairy, but it might be the grains that are like causing you havoc. Right. Or it could be the legumes. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a great, a really great place to start. Like what about food?
0: people who aren't, aren't having any symptoms? Like, do you think totally healthy people, like your husband maybe, should yeah. be eating this
1: way too? Yeah. So he's a good example. He started eating this way with me because I wouldn't stick to it. <laughs> like he'd be eating bread or French fries or, you know, something on and his plate. And i would be like, delicious. Be like, oh, just a couple <laughs> bites. And he looked at me one day, which again, it's like, he's too good to be true. But he was like, do you need me to do this with you so that you stick to it? I know. He's like a one of a kind <laughs> I really, really love out with him. Um, I mean, I chased him for a while in high school, so I Did guess, you really, um, yes, yes, I did. I picture, <laughs> I think cause you are,
0: you're very like pretty and you're also pretty in like a, a, you know, you're blonde and I picture you as like the pretty popular girl in school with all the boys like fawning over you in high school, no, not at all. <laughs> what were you like in high school? Just a quick side note. Um, yeah,
1: total quick side note. Um, I mean, I guess I, I don't know. I had a couple guys, but no, I was really quiet. I played lacrosse. Uh, I just like, I moved to California when I was a sophomore in high school. Oh. And so it was a hard few years for me from Colorado Springs. So like a small, yeah. Yeah. Kind of like, so I really wasn't, I was kind of like a little bit more awkward and like kind of quiet and I don't know. I maybe, and then you like saw him and you were like him. Yeah. He actually went to a different high school.
0: He'd be a good husband (laughs) at
1: (laughs) 16. I'm like, I want to marry you. I kind of did. Um, yeah, no, I chased him for like almost a year and we were friends. Like we were good friends, but I was like, you're going to be mine after this (laughs) year. And he finally came to his senses after like, I think about a year we dated for like, Like two weeks in the middle, like in summer between his senior year, anyways, and then it was after his senior year, and I was going into my senior year that he finally like wore down and was like, "And then you guys got married like pretty young." We got married right after college, so we were dating for about five years before we got married, and got married when I was twenty two. Did
0: you feel young?
1: No, I've always felt like an old soul. I mean, my roommate in college was thirty because I was so sick of like the young, immature. Like, I mean, my first two roommates in college, like one of them burned a hole in the carpet with an iron and left like stoves on and everything was always messy. And they were the ones that like, I, like, I, don't I can't do this. this. <laughs> so I literally like, like I found an older person to live with because I, she was in grad school and I was like, this is going to be so much easier. I just have always kind of been... I've always been an older soul. Like, okay. I mean, I was like dreaming about being married and having kids when I was like 12. I just, it's just always been who I've been. So yeah, no, I didn't feel young at all. I wanted to be married like yesterday when we got married, I was like, I, we want I wanted to get married all through college. I'm glad we didn't because we were so young and yeah. we had a lot of like <laughs> growing up to do. Um, but, but yeah, we were definitely, yeah, we were young. I think I was, I was 22 and he was 23.
0: Were you the first of your
1: friends? Oh, by like a, a decade. decade. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah, much much younger than any of our friends.
0: Well, yeah. I also know you you're you're sort of involved in the religious and the church community mm-hmm. as well, right? And people tend to get married younger. Yeah, in I mean, that gosh,
1: world, my parents got married when they were like 19 and 20, and they're still together. That's they're, insane. Which is pretty crazy. Yeah, and That's then insane. Yeah, my husband's family is not like like religious, I guess I would say, but um, they're still together too. And they were a little bit older. I want to say maybe like 27, 28 type of thing. But yeah, I mean, I think we had a lot of people around us that did get married kind of young. And just because we met so young, it was like, we've already been together yeah, for we're so already together for like five yeah. years. It was kind of <laughs> like, you know, why, why do we wait to, to like, I don't yeah. know. It was kind of like at this point we were just ready to like start our life together. I think that's
0: funny now. Cause I have friends who are in their early thirties and they date somebody for like a year and mm-hmm. then they're like, okay, getting married. And Zach and I dated for eight years because we met when we were 22, yeah. you know? Right. Um, so just, okay. So he feels like he's totally healthy, but then yes. he's like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. a perfect human. That was so a very so t- I will t- do your <laughs> diet with you. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, it's, and then, so he would eat with me the way I needed to eat at home. And then like he was working at an office. So when they'd, you know, he'd go out to lunch and get a burger with a bun or whatever. And he would come home on the days where he ate, you know, off and be like, I just don't really feel good. Or he'd be like, I'm kind of tired or, you know, like brain fog or just don't. Yeah. They just said like, he just wouldn't feel himself as much. And so he kind of like self-diagnosed himself with like a gluten intolerance, <laughs> like nothing serious. And he could still, if he wanted to have it, you know, here and there, um, he still does every once in a while, but he just doesn't feel like hundred percent. He just feels better eating this way. And I've seen that with a lot of just my followers or even like my parents. Um, or I got my mother-in-law to start eating this way because she had psoriasis and it like went away when she went gluten and dairy. Well, she's not dairy-free. I've been keep trying to get her to go dairy-free, but it's gotten a lot better. Um, and like my, my parents kind of did, they didn't do like paleo, but they were pretty close and they both are like in their, well, I'm, like tell them I'm going to make them older than they are. They're pretty young still. They're like in their early sixties, but, um, they were like still running and biking and like, just, they said they slept better. And, you know, just like all those things that I think when you say like a normal, healthy person, I feel like there's probably not anybody that's living in this country that can say like, they feel good hundred percent of the time. Like they're either really tired, not sleeping well, like have maybe migraines or joint pain or foggy, you know, like just kind of foggy. And so what, like, maybe they don't have anything serious diagnosed or they don't have like a chronic illness, but they may not be feeling like what they should right. feel like. And so what I hear from when people, people when they do it, you know, they do either a whole 30 or they do like a 30 day elimination. They just like, they feel so much more like they should feel like they feel like they have more energy and they're sleeping better. Like just the kind of joint, like, you know, pains and aches that they just live with day to day or that they might pop Advil for, um, just go away. And it's like, I think a lot of that is just the food that, So where does the
0: like feeling good of that, of waking up and like feeling like you have energy and you're not achy and you have headaches, where does the feeling good of that run up against the feeling good of like having a glass of wine at happy hour and French fries with your friends and like sort of food is a huge source of nourishment for us, but it's also a huge source of
1: psychological
0: pleasure. Totally.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's one thing that I feel like I've been a bit on the outside of the public opinion in my since I started. Like I would in the early days get like ridiculed for recreating cookies or cakes or things like that. And like more of like, well, if you're eating healthy, you don't need that kind of stuff. And I'm like, no, you do. Like you do need, you always need. Yeah. You always need it. I mean, I'm not telling you to go sit down and eat a grain free cake five times a day, but like when you have a birthday party that you want to celebrate somebody, it's like you can still make a cake and you don't feel like you have to just be eating like carrots, you know, I'm like, it's not, I don't feel like that's a sustainable way to live. So, I mean, I still have a glass of wine. I can still do tequila sometimes. I'm like the, like the not plant based. I don't know what I would call it, but I can't do grain based alcohols. So right. no beer, of course, cause a lot of that has gluten wheat in it. But, um, I, a glass of wine, I'm like, it's made from grapes. Um, I do try and I've recently more tried to do more of the like natural kind of wines and organic and like biodynamic. And I don't know. Anyways, it's um,
0: crazy. I, I, this is like a quick mini lecture, but I think people <laughs> think organic wine is, um, just come chemo- or the grapes aren't sprayed with pesticides. Or whatever, yeah. but people actually winemakers very, very, very commonly, unless they're saying that they don't do it, will add chemicals to um, increase the tannin. Yeah. They'll add chemicals to increase the fermentation flavors. Like right. they're literally adding chemicals into the bottle, right. which I think is
1: crazy. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be listed. No, I mean, there's eighty-eight more
0: types of chemicals yeah. added to like every average bottle of
1: wine. Right, it's which crazy. Is, and insane. then not to mention like the sugar and the the sulfur. Like I mean, it's like yeah, there's so much that's added into it. So I've been I mean, we live right near Napa. It's like one of our favorite little quick getaways. Yeah. And I didn't know, I mean, like we'd just go visit any winery and I just, I'm like, Oh, it's fine. You know, cause it's not listed on the bottle. I'm like, it's, it's great. And I've been learning a lot and it's still like, it's, it's crazy. crazy that they but, don't um, have to list it on the bottle. Like that it is. blows my
0: mind. Cause know, if it cause was a food, food product, you would have to. Right.
1: Yeah. Right. I think it's so interesting. I do too. I mean, even like yeah, food, it's like, you'll see that line that's like less than 2% of, right. But I'm like, you just, maybe they should put that on wine, like right. less than 2% of this chemical or this, you know, yeah. it, it is a little crazy, but yeah, no, I mean, in that side of things, like I do 100% agree that there's a huge emotional tie to food. I mean, I think there's a difference between like emotional eating and eating that has like ties to, you know, traditions and that foods that are nostalgic and foods that like are, you know, like in terms of like your heritage that are passed down or things like that. And so I like don't ever want, I don't ever want to feel deprived. I don't want my kids to feel deprived. I don't want other people that are needing to eat this way to feel deprived. So that's kind of why I've created all the recipes that I have, but I think you can, I mean, like it depends what you can tolerate. Right. But I mean, yeah, a glass of wine or, or whatever you can do to go out and still get to like socialize and, you know, be with people and, or have them over to your house and like get to make things for them. But I do think that's super important. And I think there's so much life that happens around food and, and so many like relationships. And I don't, I don't feel like you have to. Like, abstain from that type of stuff just because you have to eat a certain way. What do
0: you think about the conversation that's happening in the wellness world now about wellness sort of being a new type of? orthorexia or a new way to sort of limit
1: yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, I mean, I'm just, I'm like, I haven't been asked that that much, and I'm kind of still trying to like process everything in my brain about it too, because it's, I come from such a different perspective right. and like a reason for doing it. Like, it's a necessity for me. It's completely healed me, and I do think like, and I've always kind of said this, and I think that it might be, I guess, the best way I can answer. It, I do agree. Like, I think it's gotten. I think it's gotten kind of crazy and a little bit out of hand. And it's like, especially with social media, it's like, it can just go off, you know, and like, it can just, yeah, like it can get really, really crazy. But, um, I think my perspective and the way that I'd like to keep things in a way that I kind of wish it would go more is like, I don't villainize the foods that I can't have, even though technically I could, because they could make me really, really sick. But I try to like celebrate the food that is really healing and like nourishing for me. And I think that's a really good perspective to have on it. Um, and then like, I mean, yeah, to look at it, to look at food positively, I think, is probably the biggest thing. But I I mean, yeah, I can see it. And I think, unfortunately, with things like, you know, I mean, keto is one, one thing that I feel like has gotten, like, way too... Not saturated. I don't know. Like it's got, it's blown up and people are going to it for wrong, the wrong reasons. So it's like, that's one example that. Well, and the media is like
0: part of that too. People are like, oh, people are searching for media. Media has clicks. Like we need to come up with keto articles and then it just feeds
1: the cycle. Absolutely. And the people that are putting stuff out there, like are not They're First of all, they're not doing it for like, I hate the, the right reasons. That's like such a dumb thing to say, but they're coming to it for like a quick weight loss or because they saw it on Pinterest or they saw it on Instagram and like, oh, she looks good. she does it. So I'm going to do it, but they're not like researching what it is or why. And you know, like, I think that's what I've loved about the paleo community since it started. And I feel like it's really not, I mean, there's definitely like the odd, like Pinterest, you know, or like Instagram account that just jumps on it, like as a bandwagon that doesn't really like know what they're doing. But for the most part, I feel like it's really stayed true to kind of why people started it in the first place of trying to find healing and health rather than like trying to lose weight or jump on whatever, like the most, you know, popular, like diet is. And it also really focuses on like nutrient dense foods and not, you know, like, I don't know, throwing like a, a stick of cream cheese into something, but yeah, it's a tough, I mean, the, the social media world has made it really difficult. I think with all of the different special diets and everybody believes that theirs is the right one. And then they're like really, you know, it's like, can get really intense. And I think it can definitely cause a lot of like disorder, like disordered eating. You're listening to the Healthier Together podcast.
0: I want to take a quick break from this episode to talk about a special partnership I'm doing with a company I'm obsessed with, Natural Cycles. If you didn't hear on my earlier episodes, I'm sharing a mini diary entry on each podcast about using the app as a non-hormonal way to prevent pregnancy. It has an efficacy of 93% with typical use, and it's 98% effective with perfect use. You essentially take your temperature with a basal thermometer, and then the app tells you whether you're on a red day, which means you should avoid sex or use protection to prevent pregnancy, or a green day when you're good to go. Because I'm doing all of this in real time, I've been able to answer your questions as you send them through, and you guys have so many good ones. One of you asked about how it works when you have an inconsistent schedule, like if you travel a lot or if you're a shift worker. This was super important to me in choosing a birth control method since, as many of you know, I've been traveling basically nonstop since my book came out in April, crisscrossing the Country and Changing Time Zones, and I'm all the way over in Scotland right now. So there are two main conditions that you need to make the temperature-taking element work. One is that you've gotten at least four hours of uninterrupted sleep And the second is that you have to take it within a two hour window in either direction every morning. So if you normally take your temperature at 8am, you can take it anytime after 6am or anytime before 10am and that's still totally fine. So what happens if you don't get four hours of sleep or if it's outside that two hour window? Because the people in Natural Cycles are super smart, they've created a system for that too. You take your temperature as normal, but then you mark it as deviating when you input it into the app. This is put into the algorithm, and again, you might get more red days, but you still have that 98% efficacy rate. So if I travel and I cross more than a two-hour time zone, which I did right now, I'm a five-hour time difference in Scotland, I mark my temperature as deviating on the first night, and then after I've had a full night's sleep, I take my temperature as normal. Like I said, I have been traveling a ton since using the app and I haven't had any problems. I just mark it as deviating for night one and then after that, I am good to go. Shift workers are a bit more complicated, but the good news is that you only need to measure temperature five times a week for natural cycles to work at its full capacity. So if you work shifts or there are a few nights that you sleep different hours, it'll still work great for you as long as there are five nights out of every seven that you wake up at the same time, whatever time that is, after sleeping at least four hours. They also have a great article about dealing with different shift working situations, just going through all of the different scenarios. I will share a link to that in the show notes if you would like to check it out. I hope that helps. I am Absolutely loving Natural Cycles so far and I'm really passionate about spreading the word about it to everyone I can since it's such an amazing non-hormonal birth control option. I'll be answering more of your questions on my next mini diary entry. So if you have anything else you'd like to know, definitely hit me up on Instagram at Liz Moody and definitely check out naturalcycles.com. There's a ton of great information there and you can sign up and try it out for yourself. Now let's get back to the episode. Have you ever been interested in experimenting with other types of diets that come
1: out as, like, (laughs) anti-inflammatory? I have. Um... I've occasionally thought about being vegan, but because I can't tolerate any grains or beans, I'm like, what I don't would know what I would eat. <laughs> and I really know for a fact that I cannot tolerate grains or, or legumes. So I'm like, well, that's not really an option. Uh, I also really feel like like grass fed meats and are like nourishing to me. Like I notice like I need the, the, I don't know, like the iron and the protein and, um, and I do really well on it. Um, I'm very interested and I need to just like actually sit down. I'm super interested in, um, all of Dr. Gundry's stuff with mm. the plant paradox. Like I think a lot of the things that you're cutting out on paleo are, you know, like lower no lect- lectins, but like. I really am curious to hear even more about everything well, he does. have you
0: tried, so I, I don't like, I'm not super anal about lectins, yeah. but I will buy pressure cooked legumes mm, so they yeah. don't have
1: lectins. Have you, can you tolerate pressure cooked? No. No. I mean, enough. I used to soak and sprout and do all, yeah, and all the stuff. Like, and I just never have been able, they still just don't sit well with me.
0: <laughs> do you do other sort of wellness-y stuff? Wellnessy stuff? <laughs> like, just, do you mean like, 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 do like what do you mean? Like, do you put any weird powders and? Uh, your smoothies? Do you take
1: supplements? Do you meditate? (laughs) Um, what's your workout? Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So that stuff has become, I'm trying to do more of it. I think at the beginning food was like all I could handle and it was kind of like, okay, I got to just get this, like grasp this and then maybe kind of start. So I'm learning more. I mean, I definitely, I do collagen like in my coffee and I haven't gotten into any of the, um, like all the like mush, not mushroom, but like all the, I don't know, like, like the powders yeah, and like yeah. I'm try and I'm like, I want to try because I'm super curious about it all. Um, I do supplements that are all like prescribed by my functional medicine doctor for sure. Um, I've just realized that like food is huge, but I still need a little bit of help, like on the supplementation side of things just with some, like, I mean, I do like a liposomal curcumin, like just stuff for like anti-inflammatory, a few things that are kind of like gut healing, um, what's
0: got it, What are just, I think a lot of people listening are like, Oh, super great. I could go to my functional doctor, but they don't like
1: have one. Right. I know. Um, and I'm always pretty hesitant to talk about the supplement side of things, honestly, just because there have been so many times where I've taken like a list that somebody else gave and gone on them and, and ended up actually having like reactions to some yeah. of them or it may be not helping. And so I'm always like, I know it's really hard. And, and a lot of those, like, I think there's a lot of websites that have some of the functional medicine doctors have put their kind of lists out there. So I think it's really important to like work with somebody because even dosages can be so different, you know, but like, I mean, I do, um, oh my gosh, now I'm not going to even be able to remember any of the stuff that I do now that you just asked me, of course, but, um, do you do a probiotic? Yes, I do a probiotic. Okay. <laughs> that is I'm like, yes. And then I eat a lot of fermented is there foods a brand too, of but, probiotic you like, uh, not right now because the one that I used to use Is not in production anymore. I used to well, and I used to use one called VSL three. That's like kind of specifically for didn't they
0: get recalled?
1: Yeah, well, they like that was the one I like.
0: I recommended to everybody who needed like serious, serious one. And then my editor, my book editor, actually texted me and was like this pill you recommended. It's no, me. It's right. been recalled. no wow.
1: I don't know that it was recalled. There went through some like legal thing between the two partners. And so I think uh, they, off they did like an offshoot into another one, but the new one, and maybe VSL had it too. And I just didn't notice, but the new one does have a little bit of dairy in it. Uh, so it just kind of depends. So anyways, I'm kind of on the search for a new one. Um, I also used to use, um, gosh, there were quite a few that I've been on over the years, but, um, if just like store-bought brand, the best one I think is ultimate flora. Um, it's like a super high potency, no dairy, no gluten, no soy, like that, no corn, I think. Um, and you can just like get that at whole foods. So that's kind of like the one that I'm going to take in the interim. Um, I'm going to think about the other things that I take because it's like,
0: you know, Dr. Gundry takes over a hundred supplements every day.
1: Does he really a yeah. hundred? Yeah. Holy. I'm like, that's a lot.
0: I when mean, I was still full-time at MBG, I wanted to get the entire list from him, but I also feel like a lot of them might be like
1: his brand, sure. it would just be like a of huge course. advertisement right, right, for right. his stuff, but he takes a yeah. hundred a day, which is like really... That's insane saying a lot you kind of it is a lot you also kind of wonder like can you find the full healing without all of those or not you know I think I don't that's know. always
0: the question I think people are always like am I taking this because like do you know when people ask me like what of those cool new things should they try I'm right. like I always am like what is your issue you're trying to solve right yeah. and if you're just doing you just it because it's like cool and interesting right. then don't do it but right. if you're like like I don't eat fish I don't eat seafood at all it makes me projectile vomit so I take <laughs> omega-3 because yeah. I'm not getting them in yeah, the quantity. Yeah, yeah, I quantity. take a, a
1: fish oil, like a cod cod liver fish oil or something like yeah, that.
0: Yeah, but too. I think yeah. just like you should know everything you look at in your cabinet, you should or like you were like, oh, I take this bioavailable curcumin because yeah. I need something that's anti-inflammatory. Yeah, like right. I
1: think you should be able to tie a direct one to one correlation Rent, for everything. Which is another reason why I hesitate to say them sometimes because like I know why I'm taking them because my doctor helped me like figure out why right. I needed them and ran tests and like you know so that's where I'm always like there. I mean supplements like people don't they're they're like medications in a way, right? It's like, but people don't always look at them like that because they can get them readily. And I just think it's, it's super important to like know why you're taking it, what you're taking, how much you're taking. Um, because I've definitely like, there's been times where I've reverted to like an old supplementation protocol when I've started like having symptoms that was from like a couple years ago and not gotten better or had things get worse. And I've realized like something that I was taking was like making things worse for some reason. I don't know why. And I don't quite get it, but like, that's why I'm always hesitant. of, of recommending. Cause I'm like, I just don't want somebody to like, think like, this is the, this is like the answer or the fix, you know? And then for them not to see like that, maybe something's not sitting right with their body or maybe the brand that I'm taking is like, I've changed, you know, different brands here and there that have different additives or whatever. And like everybody's body is a little bit different, but yeah, I mean, there's one that I was going to think of that I'm gonna that I'm gonna remember what it is. You
0: can and tell me tell later. Yeah, and I can I'll tell you later in the show notes. The magical <laughs> supplement. The Yeah, the magical, yeah you're right, right. <laughs> the best yes, supplement yeah. ever. Okay, so what other wellnessy stuff?
1: I mean, I've put priority on exercise lately, which I've not done in the past. Mostly, I think because I've like been pregnant or postpartum, or so right. I'm really enjoying that, and it's mostly like it's a mental thing. I think for me, like I just feel accomplished, but I also just feel better about myself and the decisions do? that I make. I've been doing orange theory. It's intense. And I've always, is, I,
0: I know what orange theory, like I've seen it, Yeah. but
1: what do you do in there? It's, <laughs> so it's funny. Cause I was like always like a yoga bar method walk, like very low impact. And my husband got me to go in December and I've kind of like become like addicted to, to it. Us. I'm like I like it. It's an hour and that's my other I've just always hated exercise and the fact that the hour passes before like I noticed to me is huge. So the music's really fun and like the instructors are usually really fun. But um it's a combination of like three so there's there's like the weight floor um and then rowing and then the treadmill. And the nice thing that I like is you can kind of go at like your own speed. So like for the first I'm not a, I've never been a runner. So for the first like 6 months that I went, I you can do power walking like on an incline which I felt like was really great and still got my heart rate up. And then like on the weight floor, you can do like eight pound weights if you want. Right. So it's like, it's nice. Cause it's kind of like, it's not pushing you to, I don't know, to like be all like, you know, like yoked. So I like it. And I felt, so it's like, I mean, it's, it's all about like getting into the orange zone, which is like, I don't, don't, don't ask me the science between it, but it's raising and like getting your heart rate to kind of come back down and go back up a lot. I don't, I'm okay. not, I'm probably not
0: explaining it, but yes. Okay. Yes.
1: So I like it. It's, it's been good for me and I've noticed like difference in my body and just everything. So, and then uh, I am terrible at meditating. My functional practitioner keeps telling me that I have to do it. And I've like tried so many times and I'm working on it. And I, like, I understand Is it just
0: like fitting it into your day.
1: Yes. And, and like, are you bored or uh, both <laughs> all of it, all of it. And I'm so distracted so easily. My brain's constantly running and I know you're supposed to like, let your brain go and then bring it back. And I'm just like, it's just, and it's more of just like getting to be a habit. It's like, yes. I'll do it. I'll do it for like a day. And then I won't do it for like six months. And then I'll do, you know, so, um, I'm, but I would love to, cause I know how good it can be for people. Um, but then I would say, um, like when I, I mean, I talked about like mental health, I think is super important. Like I started seeing a counselor, uh, like maybe a year ago, which I have never done before. And we've gone through some like emotional trauma and loss. And, and then I think even just like from my disease and everything we've gone through and, getting to like actually talk about that to somebody and really not just like, I'm definitely like a, not like a Harbor. Like I would keep stuff in, like, I just wouldn't be super open about emotions and like talking through things. And so I think that like mental health, I think is huge. Um,
0: switching gears a little bit. I have a few questions that I ask everybody. Um, and these are fun and easy. (laughs) Okay. So one is if you have 20 minutes every day, what's the best way to spend that to live a healthier, happier
1: life? Take a nap. <laughs> Take a nap. Okay. <laughs> um, are you good? Okay. Where can you just like lay down and yes. nap? Oh, I'm man. Like a, i am like I can like sleep that. in the plane and in the car oh, and like. I, hate I mean, you. I'm. Yeah. Um, I guess. Yeah. Take an. I would just yeah, or take a good nice walk. Like you're quiet, like
0: have a like, number of kids, and then you'll also yeah, be able yeah, to nap true, very true. well. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, take a nap or just go like silently, like take a walk, like no podcasts, no social media, like just you out in nature, <laughs> like just just by yourself.
0: That's my dad's number one pet peeve is when we go hiking and people have headphones on, yeah. and I also like get mad at that. But then I lost my headphones three days ago, and I was like unwilling to walk to the grocery store because I was like. Oh. How Will I listen to my music or my podcast? Yeah. And my husband was like just walking. to walked. the grocery store. Yeah, yeah. And it was crazy to me how I I thought of myself as all high and mighty because my dad and I would make fun of people. Yeah. Um, but it, I was that person, like yeah. very much. So it's, I it's noticed so that in
1: New York, like everybody has their headphones on, and a part of that I think is like when we're talking about connecting with people and community, it's like the headphones mean like don't talk to me, they you know? know. And
0: I at work, you especially say yeah. in an office environment, headphones on means don't talk to yeah. me, and headphones off means like I'm available, right? Or like
1: on the airplane. It's like if you you don't want to talk to yeah, your neighbor. You like, headphones, on. headphones on. But I mean, when I'm here because I don't know my way around, I don't put headphones in usually. And I think it's fascinating. Just like walk the street and be walking where you're supposed to going, but you're just like hearing people's conversations and the noises. And like, I don't know. I just, I prefer to not have them in because yeah. you really don't hear anything else. You know? I
0: love little bits of people's conversations. Cause I'm always like, Oh my gosh, that person has like a whole life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just find that. So like, they're going home to like fight with their partner, right. like have hot sex or like eat weird. in a I just find it so weird. It is. It's really interesting. Because you have these one second interactions in New York 400,000 times a right. day, you know? Right. Um, okay. So what else? I'm like distracted. Oh yeah. Sorry. About my 20 head, minutes. But yeah. 20 Next minutes. Time. And, um, what does success mean? Like mean to you? And do you feel like you are
1: successful? Oh, uh, success. Well, I'll start with saying, yes, I feel like I am successful. And that is because I'm staying like I'm, I'm constantly achieving what I set out to do, which was to share my story in hopes of helping people. So I feel like I've, I mean, there's like the tangible success of my books and all that kind of stuff, but honestly, that's like not what's important. Like everything I do is to try to help somebody else not suffer and not be as sick and not like go through the many years that I had to go through to like find food as healing. So, so yes, I think I've I've succeeded in that.
0: Are you motivated by money, like, and if so, how much?
1: <laughs> how much money, or no, like how much am I motivated? How much, like, how, money, how much how, does like, well. money drive your decisions, <laughs> and does the idea of being like wealthy appeal to you? I mean, I want my kids and our family to to like be comfortable, and I don't want to have to worry. Like, I worried about money all through college and like in our newlywed years. So yes, in a way, like I I want to feel stable. Um, I do like. I'm like, I do like, I'm not going to lie and be like, I don't care about nice things or anything. I've always had a little bit of like champagne taste on like a beer budget back in the day. Like, I I mean, I'm like classic. We'll like go to a, a rack and see something. And like immediately my hand touches like the most expensive thing. It's just a bad thing, but I'm not motivated in like what I do by money. I mean, literally. I would consider myself very business savvy at the same time. And I definitely like have grown to see what I'm worth and will negotiate and get more than like somebody originally offers. So in that way, like, I mean, this is, this is a business now, if you will. And I, I run it like a business. So I guess, I mean, definitely there's like finances involved in that, but, um, but like, I would never do something that wasn't like, with, uh, kind of part of like my true north just because somebody offered me like a bunch a of money, of money yeah. to do it. Yeah.
0: I'm constantly astonished by how much I can ask for more money and people are just like, sure. <laughs> and I'm like, so if I hadn't asked, I would just have oh, yeah. $1,000 less right now. Yeah, and they're yeah. like,
1: yep. yep. And I'm just like, what? Yeah. They try to, I mean, gosh, then why not? Like if you're the business owner, like you try to get away with the lowest you can. And I then know, be like, but you like, know. They don't
0: even negotiate when I ask. They're just like, okay. okay. <laughs> and I was like, yeah.
1: cool. Okay, <laughs> That's great. But like, yeah, yeah,
0: no, but it's really, it's, but I just, it, like, it makes me want to tell all of my friends, like, just try Try it. it. And And when people do say no, they're not like, Oh, I don't want to work with you. They're like, no, we can only do this much. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like like asking for a raise. Like I have employees, you know, that, and like you, it's like you go in and you prove your worth and then you ask type of a thing. And I think it's the kind of like the same thing when you're negotiating a contract or whatever, it's like, you know, you, you show them why you're worth it. And then you ask, and if they say no, then you're like, all right, well, let me think about it, you know, and let me come back to you or you, you accept it or whatever. But yeah, no, I mean, I mean, it is true. Like, I think I'll never forget when I finally started working with a literary agent and just how she over, like valued me so much more than I would have ever valued myself. And I was like, Oh, like, wow. Okay. You know, like it was great for me to see, cause I didn't have that confidence at first. And I've realized now like, okay, like I've got, you know, I've built something and I can ask for a certain amount. And again, it's like, if they say no, they say no. And we Kind of try to come meet in the middle. <laughs> well, and I think you
0: really can. Sometimes other people are necessary to value you more. Yes. So I actually think it'd be interesting to be like to ask your friend what you think something like ask yeah, yeah. as many questions as you can totally. from other people because sometimes other people will tell you that you should be valuing yourself more than uh, you. Well, yeah, are, absolutely. You know? Yeah, yeah. What is something that you've bought that's made your life healthier, happier?
1: Oh gosh. I mean, all the food I'm trying to think like, give me like a contraption or like a gadget or something Like or? any anything that you can think of a specific uh-huh. thing where you're just okay. like, I spent like, money on this. I'm going to say my Apple watch. All right. I, I was like a late adopter. My husband had obviously had like all the first like, you know, versions of it from like the minute it came out. Um, and he talked me into getting one around Christmas time. And there's a couple reasons. First of all, it has totally made me healthier like physically because of the rings that you close, like getting So there's like three rings. It's like standing exercise and moving, or I don't know what it is anyways. And so it makes like, because I do sit at a desk a lot of the day, like, so it makes sure that it, it pings you to like stand up. And then at the end of the day, it basically like, if you don't close the blue ring, it means you didn't stand up enough. Oh, and it, so, like
0: gamifies it. Yeah, yeah, A little bit.
1: Um, and so, and then like in terms of just exercising and steps and stuff like it, it, it'll like, you know, like the rings basically. So you want to like have all the rings closed. Is it 10,000 for steps? I don't know what it actually, I think you can set, like you based on like, I don't know what age you are, female male, that kind of a thing. So that like just physically wise, like, I mean, it's kind of embarrassing, but like, if it's almost closed at the end of the day, I'll like run in place by my bed. (laughs) It's like totally become like, it's a little bit unhealthy, but, but also healthier. Um, but like, honestly, if I'm like looking at the middle of the day and I've been in my office all day and it's like not even close, I'll be like, I need to go out for a walk. And we've got this great trail behind our house and I'll go out for 30 minutes, you know, or like take my phone calls on a walk instead of like sitting at my desk. So that's been great. And then on a like um, mental, like just lifestyle side of things. The biggest reason why I got it was because my work is so attached to my phone and to social media and to everything that I was on it so much. And I was, I've been really trying to set it aside when I'm with my kids and like, I'd come, you know, finish work at the end of the day at like four usually is kind of when I wrap up. But if I'd get a text from somebody, I would end up on Instagram or like I end up checking my email. And it's just this terrible impulse that, like, as soon as my phone opens for something else, I do that too. I end up on this terrible rabbit trail yeah. of like scrolling Instagram or whatever. And so with this, it's like I can get a text. I can come at the end of the day. The phone can go like way high up, like on a shelf, where I don't even see it. And then if I get a text, then I can check it and respond, but I can't get onto Instagram or you can't like, do
0: Instagram or email on the little uh, okay. you can
1: do email, but it's like so poorly set up that I don't ever use it on there because it's like okay. you can't really respond very easily. So it's been really helpful. Helpful for me in that, that I can kind of like set work aside and personal. And like, if somebody really needs me, I know they can get me on it. Um, I mean, it's totally like a splurge, but I feel like in terms of like, it's made me healthier in a lot of different ways. So plug for Apple and get, and get them to
0: sponsor this yes, podcast. Sponsor this podcast <laughs> um, I feel like they are like, we don't need you. Yeah. No, no. No, they don't. They don't need to
1: sponsor anybody. It's like Is they can- there anywhere in
0: the world that you've been where you're like, these
1: people really got it right in terms of living a good life? Yes. Two places. I need to travel more because it's been since having kids. We haven't, um, Kona, Hawaii. We lived there, not lived, but we were there for like nine weeks. We actually did. We moved, we moved everything over there with my son. Um, why there, my husband was working for a nonprofit over there that was like tied to triathlons and they do the Ironman there every year or something like that. I don't know how often it is. So we went over there actually with the intention of like, we might stay here. And we went for four weeks, ended up staying for nine and then went home. (laughs) (laughs) Um, because it was just a little too like slow and landlocked and it just wasn't working for like our business or my business and his anyways. Um, But their pace of life is so slow. Uh, They value community, like living with people, not living in the house with people, but like living life with people. Like they will get to like the friends that we had there. It's like, you could call them at four and be like, come over for dinner. And they would come for dinner or like your kids could just play. Um, So that, to us was like a huge, this was like my son was two. So this was like seven years ago and it has completely changed us as like a family and what, how we do things and how we value things. And like the priorities we put on friendships and on life and just everything. Um, and honestly, like a lot of times we'll be like, I just wish we could live back in Kona. Cause California is pretty fast paced. It's like very much driven. Like it's so expensive to live there that it's very much driven, you know, by people like overworking and overscheduling themselves. And so that which
0: is so funny though, cause I live in New York and I'm constantly like, I want to move to California cause it's such a slower pace. Oh, I'm sure it's way slower than it is here. Yeah, I shouldn't just like, say, Oh, yeah. that's where it's relaxing. Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean,
1: it's still, well, I live in the Bay area. So it's like this overachieving, Like, I mean, it's got, we've got like Silicon Silicon Valley. Valley, And so it's very like everybody needs to be, you know, like, uh, you know, I'm like, I just remember even in high school, it was like, everybody's taking AP courses and they needed like a 4.5, um, you know, like GPA, like, and so it's just very kind of like high paced, a lot of households are dual, dual working. And so it's like, people are just very, very busy. Um, and I think they pride themselves also in being busy. It's like busy these days can be like, people are like, I'm just so busy, you know? Um, so that
0: badge of honor. yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
1: So Kona, it's like just super slow and really like I don't know. It was just like, it was a very like eye-opening time for us of like, Oh wow. Like this is, you know? And so we've seen something similar in Nashville. Like I have a lot of friends that live in Nashville and it was kind of that same thing. Like there's no fences between like people's yards and my friend's neighborhood. And the kids literally are just like running in between each other's houses. Like we used to do when we were kids and riding their bikes to the pool and neighbors are still borrowing sugar from each other. And like, it's just, I don't know. There's definitely like a a, a slower pace of life and a, much more kind of like emphasis on spending time with people and the community community. in Nashville seems insane. Yeah. We've, we've (laughs) tried to move there quite a few times, but like our whole family's in California and we can't leave grandparents and my brother. And like, we just, it's beautiful in California too. But, um, we've like, we've talked about moving there for like years and Mm -hmm. just feel like, do you just go back now? I do. I go back and visit a lot. Um, like at least like four or five times a year, but, um, but yeah, there's something kind of special there too, just about like people and that they all still like have blocked parties. And like, it just, it feels like the way I grew up. Yeah. Yeah. So those two places, but yes, that, and I'm sure anywhere in like Europe and small towns would probably be the same, but what is one big mistake
0: you've made and what's something you really got right? And this is the last one. So you can like bring us home. One big mistake I've made.
1: Mistakes that I've learned from frequently actually happen often with my kids (laughs) where like I say something out of like emotion or not having enough, um, patience with them and like, or disciplining, like without really thinking through, like as a parent, a lot of times you're like, and no TV for a week. And then you're like, oh crap. Like now I don't have any (laughs) time for myself and I can't even cook dinner. I don't know. Um, but, but I think like I've, I feel like I've had to really learn to like, just because I'm the mom doesn't mean that I can't apologize to them as a kid. And I think that's really good for them to see of like me being humble in that way and being like, Hey, I'm sorry for the way that I said that, or I'm sorry I raised my voice or, you know, like I, you know, I should have, I should have stopped for a minute to think about that before I said that. Or, um, I mean, even with like the device thing, like that's one thing I feel like I've actually had to try to be like honest with them I'm like, Hey, I'm sorry. You just were to talk to me and I was on my phone. Like, so kind of just like trying to, 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 like, be honest and open with them about mistakes that I make as a mom, too. so
0: cool. What a cool thing to, like, say I'm fallible and, like, it's okay to be fallible. Yeah. Like, to give permission for that. Yeah. That's, like, such a gift.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, like, as a parent... You want to just look like, you know, you always want to like have the authority and be in charge. So it was hard. It's hard for, I think, as a parent to like tell your child that you were wrong,
0: <laughs> but then um, you're probably raising these children who are like, it's okay to be wrong. And yeah. when I'm wrong, I can yeah, tell people. And it's okay to say sorry. Yeah. Like,
1: I think, I mean, i um like the face that they'll get when you say sorry is kind of huge. Like, it's like, oh wow. So, and I've learned a lot of that. Like my, my husband is very. I've learned from him more about like having patience and like kind of being more, I'm definitely a little more like emotional and will like raise my voice. And he's usually like, he handles them in a really great way. So I kind of watch him to like model that after, um, one accomplishment
0: something you really got right.
1: Something I really got right. I nailed that. (laughs) Oh gosh. Um, well, I mean, I think aside from my books, which I'm really proud of my cookbooks, I'm going to go back to my kids, um, because we recently, and I just, cause I was talking about it last night on Instagram, but I think the way that we've chosen to like, I'm far from a perfect parent as you just saw, cause my biggest mistake is also with my kids. But, um, we have chosen like on the technology side of things, like we've just never allowed them to like watch phones or iPods when we go out to dinner. Um, and even more recently have like taken away all screens besides TV in our house, just because like, I'm noticing how it's affecting them. And it's definitely something that I'm like super fearful of as a parent growing, like raising kids and something that's so new from when I was growing up. Um, so I feel like we've gotten that right, honestly, cause like they can sit at dinner and color and have a conversation and not like have to be watching a show or playing a game. I mean, we are like on t- on like long plane rides and stuff like that. Like we totally allow it, but it's always been really important for us to like, feel like they can have a conversation with each other, with, with like us, with other adults. And, um, I'm proud of that. Like, and it's hard. Like, it's not something like a lot of times we'll be out to dinner and my husband and I are like, we could have such a better dinner right now if they were just like watching a show, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's why parents do it. Cause they're quiet and they don't like scream and, you know, complain or whatever. And I'm like, we, but, but we have date nights instead where we leave them home, we get our time. And I'm like, if we're going to go out to dinner as a family, I would like to be as a family and not. The them watching something and us sitting and chatting. And that's something that's like, it's hard to enforce, especially when lots of other kids around them are on it. But I feel like we're like, we're proud. I'm kind of proud of that.
0: Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I was going to say the one that you really got right was chasing down your husband. (laughs) That was the best decision I ever made. It
1: was chasing my husband down. Yeah. I I feel
0: like you should listen to this podcast as like a love letter.
1: (laughs) He knows. I'm like, I hope he knows. He used to joke and like, say I was a stalker, but I'm like, he called and texted me like, Every day, so I'm like you.
0: he ended up pretty out, like, well. <laughs> lost, you yeah, know. Yes. he's
1: like I like to think so. I'm yeah. like he benefited from my chasing. Yes, so. <laughs> very much. I'm
0: all about. I hit on my husband. I'm all about like a strong, powerful woman making the
1: first, yeah, the first Nothing wrong with it. That's um, a good one. I will remember that in the future. My best decision I've ever made is choosing Ryan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me.
1: Thank you. This was a great conversation.
0: I hope you loved this episode with Danielle and you found her as inspiring and lovely and just fun to hang out with as I did. I would love to hear if you love the episode, definitely let me know on Instagram. And if you wouldn't mind, I would obviously appreciate an iTunes review. It's actually really useful for me to get the reviews and kind of see who's loving what type of episode because then I can do more of those types of episodes in the future. So if you do an iTunes review and you're like, oh, I love the episode with Danielle. It was one of my favorites. or I love this, this and this episode. I'm like, "Okay, got it. I can do more of exactly that type of thing in the future. So I can keep giving you guys episodes that you love and that you love to listen to. I will be back in two weeks with a really fun episode that I'm very excited to share with you all. And I can't wait to talk to you then. Have a great one. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should at least be simple. That's why for more than five years now, I've been drinking a G1. It's just one scoop mixed in water, and it makes me feel energized and focused without any kind of caffeine jitters. I discovered AG1 after a ton of research because I was looking for one simple habit I could incorporate into my day that would support my entire body and cover my nutritional bases. No matter what the rest of the day looks like, I know that I'm getting essential brain, gut, and immune health support. I just mix a scoop of AG1 into my water. I think it tastes delicious too, which I know people are always nervous about, but I think it's like a tropical vanilla flavor and I crave it, especially because I associate the flavor with feeling so good. Of course, we're always trying to eat our fruits and vegetables and balanced meals over here, but nobody is perfect. So AG1 helps support me with 75 vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, and adaptogens. I especially love it for all of the travel I've been doing. I think it's a huge reason why I still feel so good and have avoided getting sick despite being on a plane a few times a week for so much of this year and having to eat out so often. AG1 is rigorously third-party tested, which you know I always look out for. It also has less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, and no artificial anything. AG1 is one of the highest quality products to elevate your health, and that's why I've partnered with them for so long. So, if you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free 1-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and 5 free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com/lizmoody. That's drinkag1.com/lizmoody. Check it out.